Welcome to Chris in Christ, a show about being redeemed and saying so. I'm your host, Chris, and I'm so excited you tuned in to today's testimony and transparency. Let's stay connected. Follow me on all social media platforms and anywhere you can listen to a podcast. Just put in Chris in Christ. Let's go. Guys, today I have a heavy hitter on the show. I am so excited to share his testimony. I've got my pastor. He's known me since, Lord, ninth grade, I think, almost 10 years plus. He is an incredible man of God. I trust him with my life. I can truly say my spiritual growth, gifts, um, just being able to see beyond where I am right now. This man has instilled so much faith in me, so much prayer, so much work on my behalf. I can't wait for y'all to hear his story. It is truly amazing. So we're going to tune in today to Gangsta and the Gospel. I hope y'all enjoy. Grace and peace, Chris and Christ. Wow, I'm so excited to be a part of this wonderful podcast from this awesome woman of God. I'm honored. Just thrilled, thrilled to the core. So excited that she's decided to, to pick back up the vision that God has given her and, and running with the vision, running with the vision. And I know God's going to do great things through this podcast. And I declare and decree that this podcast will birth a broadcast in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My name is Michael Smith. I'm the senior pastor and founder of Great Love Worship Center of Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, this January will be eight years we've been in existence, Woo-hoo. and we're excited that, that God is sending some people to the ministry that has zeal, fire, and most of all, compassion for souls. So truly excited about that. I have a great group of people that God has entrusted me with, and I'm excited. I'm excited to, to lead them and to impart in them. And if the Lord allowed me, oh, man, I'll be 52 years old. This October, yeah, I'll be 52 this October. So thank God for for keeping me and just being with me, even when I didn't know he was with me. So excited about that. Oh, man, my responsibilities. Well, pastoring, there's a lot of responsibilities. And one of the main things is just being a governor over people's souls and just teaching them the word of God and walking by faith, not by sight, just being an example, uh, not being Lord over God's people, but just being an example of, of the household of faith. So I'm, I'm honored to have that, that responsibility. It's one that can get you know, overbearing at times, but you just have to trust God, trust God. So, wow, an embarrassing moment. Oh, my God. How far can I go back? Wow. As far as you need. <laughs> okay. By far the most embarrassing moment I've ever experienced in my life. I was a big time clubber. Just love going to the clubs. and Just love, you know, dancing and, you know, meeting people, of course. So I was, <laughs> I was dancing. I forget the song I was dancing to. But uh, the young lady that I was dancing with, you know, she was going down real low, real low, 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 low. <laughs> You know, not to be outdone, I said, I'm going to show I can get down low, too. So uh, in the process of getting down low, 
I split my pants. Oh, no. I split my pants in the middle of the dance floor. <laughs> club and the worst part about it is I had on some red undergarment. Oh, Lord. It wasn't like they was black and they could be concealed. It was just red. <laughs> and I was like, so, so embarrassed. Oh, my God. That was... I will never forget. I'll be 90 years old still still remembering that. <laughs> do you remember what song was on? Oh, man. Ah, I do not remember. I know it was one of um, Biggie's songs. I don't know which one it was. <laughs> but uh, that was that was my guy, man. I love some, some Notorious. You know, yeah. before before Christ, of course, before my, yeah. my days of walking with the Lord. So, yeah. That was one of the most embarrassing moments that I could... <laughs> I can remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, oh. I, um, you mentioned your days before Christ, and I'm pretty sure that's why we're here today to learn more about your story and just like from your BC days to, you know, the biggest transformation of your life. We're excited to hear about that today. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow, this is uh, not something that I'm ever proud to, to tell, but I feel that it's necessary to, to be transparent and to, I know growing up, the reverends and the preachers made you feel like that they did nothing wrong prior to, to becoming ministers, but I learned, you know, through the word of God that it's always important to share your testimony and you never know, your testimony could be the very thing that could get somebody, you know, to the next level, get them to surrender to Christ. So, yeah, I'm not proud of it, but I was one of, I mean, I can't say that, but I felt like I was one of the biggest drug dealers in Raleigh only because I had police officers that would come through the neighborhood and just sit down and talk with me. Like, hey, man, these uh, these guys downtown, your name is, like, on their desk. They really, they really want to, you know, bust you, arrest you. And so I felt like for them to want to, you know, do that to me, it made me feel like I was a pretty big drug dealer. Mm. And, um, you know, of course, when I got out of high school, I had a scholarship to Chowan Junior College. And um, I was dating a white girl at the time. And uh, so, of course, if you don't know anything about Murfreesboro, really, really a racist town. Very racist. And uh, so I remember she came down to visit me one weekend and we was just walking and uh, we was getting a whole lot of hatred, you know, thrown our way. And, you know, it kind of kind of really broke my heart and broke my spirits. And I kind of like gave up on school and just, you know, so I didn't really finish school because of, you know, because of that. That was one of the reasons. So I left school, came back to the neighborhood, and it seemed like from the time I left high school to the time I came back, I think it was a half a semester, man, the neighborhood had changed. It was riddled with drugs. Everybody was getting high. And I was like, man, what happened to the neighborhood? Hmm. So, of course, you know, I'm young and I'm seeing people, you know, making money, fast money, quick money. And I was like, man, well, I ain't doing nothing right now. I ain't going to school. I might as well, might as well try it out. So I, I started small. I started with uh, selling marijuana. And uh, I was like, man, this is slow. I ain't really making no money doing this. So one of the guys that, you know, he'd been in the neighborhood all my life ever since I've known him. He was one. He was big time. He was big time, really big time. And uh, so I went up to him. I was like, hey, man, can you can you put me on, man? Help me help me get started with this. And he said, you sure? He's like, not you. 
like, nah, you one of the best kids that came out of the neighborhood. You know, it's like, nah, man, you don't want to do this. I was like, hey, man, you doing it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, you doing it. So he's like, all right. So he, he sold me my first first bag of uh product. <laughs> so sold me my first bag and sat down with me and showed me how to how to bag it up and and I I I just got started like that and just it grew. It grew from you know, little bitty stuff to, to big stuff and it went from local stuff to trafficking stuff and and uh man I just now that I look back I just thank God that he brought me through because a trafficking charge can carry a very long, you know, sentence behind bars. And thank God he's his grace and mercy covered me. Even when I didn't know he was covering me. Mm. So yeah, I just started selling drugs and it just escalated and went from three years to five years, from five years to seven to seven to ten. I was like, wow, how did I get caught up? How did I get so consumed, you know, in, in selling drugs? I mean, people don't realize this. if you never had fast money or any amount of money, you start to get it two and three thousand dollars a day. Like it's it's very addicting. Like making money is even more addicting to to your drugs itself. Mm. And they got caught up in, in the money and you know the things that you're able to do with money and the level of power that it gives you. And so I really really got caught up. Really got caught up and should have been locked up more times than not and got robbed at, at gunpoint and just. So many things happened. So many things happened, and I just thank God He brought me out. And one story that I that I, I feel like I got to share is we was uh, going to the liquor house one night, and uh, the guys, you know, wouldn't let us in. So we see the police rolling up the street, and we're like, "Come on, man, let us in!" You know, five o coming, five o coming. So he kind of shut the door in our face, and we kind of like we had no choice but to walk back towards the police. And they pulled up right in front of us, and they got out, and they're like, "Hey, you know, come over here." I was like, man, I knew I had some drugs on me. So, man, it was a little alleyway, and I, I, I promise you, I promise you, Christian Christ, it was like something out of a movie. Movie, like I took off through the little alley, and police cars everywhere, and I dived over police cars, running through alleys and woods, and so finally, one of the police officers caught up with me, and I knew that if he caught me, I hadn't got the drugs out of my pocket yet. I was gonna get locked up. So I picked the police officer up, body slammed him, and oh man, just just in the adrenaline and everything, just just reaction, like I'm trying to get these drugs out of my body. Mm-hmm. So I picked the police officer up, body slammed him, took off running, and uh, never forget it. By the time I ran out of space to run, it was a, it was a dog fence. And I got the drugs out of my pocket, and I fell into the dog fence and threw the drugs over the fence. And uh, that's when I threw my hands up, like, hey man, they ain't doing nothing, they ain't doing nothing. And uh, by the grace of God, they didn't find those roads that I uh, had threw in that dog fence. And, oh, man, it was just, it was crazy. It was crazy. Some of the things the devil, you know, have you doing when you're out there was so far from grace. Just just wilding out, doing crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Whole lot, a whole lot, a whole lot of things that should have got me locked up for a long time. And can you just tell everybody how tall and massive you are? <laughs> Just so they could kind of visualize you doing all of this. <laughs> oh man, I was, I, I was like I'm like six feet, probably about three hundred fifteen pounds. But uh, I was I was a little more solid then than I am now, so I was pretty pretty agile and uh, I was pretty. I was, they was they was really the police officers was joking once they got me in the car. They was like, man, that thing you know was moving fast. And <laughs> they was like, man, 
one of them, they was clowning the guy that got slammed. Like, man, he picked you up like a piece of paper and slammed you, man. And <laughs> it's a good thing they had body cams back then, boy. That would have been, been national news. That would have been it. <laughs> yeah, but six six feet, about 315 pounds. But I was still athletic, and uh, I still had a little mobility with me. So, yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. That was pretty crazy. So, And just, just, just selling drugs to people I shouldn't have been selling drugs to. One of my one of my first cousins, you know, she was she had an athletic, I mean, she had an academic scholarship to NC State, and somehow she got caught up in it doing drugs. And you know, she came by my house one night, and you know, I was selling some drugs. And it's crazy, man. People say that God don't speak to sinners, man. I I beg the difference. God spoke to me several times while I was a sinner, mm. and one night he spoke to me and he told me, uh, "Don't sell my cousin no more drugs because she was pregnant and she was still getting high." And, so I just like she came to my door to get some more. I was like, "Cuz I love you." I said, "I know you can leave here and get it from anywhere." I said, "But I can't. I can't be the one to sell it to you anymore." Mm. So it was like I was a drug dealer, but I still had heart. You know, I still, I still had compassion for, for people. Mm. I was one of the drug dealers that ever sold drugs. So that's just one thing that kind of stood on my mind. But just going through years of selling drugs and. I thought it was my skills that I was escaping the law, but man, it was it was it was the hand of God just watching over me, not allowing me to get no major time. That's one testament testament I don't have. Never got locked up for a long period of time with doing drugs. So thanking God for that. Thanking yes. God for that. Yes. Yeah. But I remember it all winding down. Oh man, it was in nineteen ninety eight. You know, I had been in my dirt for almost ten years and I had a novel. 19, um, 1996 ZX900, Cowboy Stock Ninja. Boy, that was my baby. I love riding that motorcycle. So I'm riding through over by St. Aug, and I see, you know, see a couple of girls out there. I was like, hey, you want to go for a ride? So I, one of them was like, yeah, I want to ride. So I picked up. We riding through town, and, you know, every time I stop, I would rev the motorcycle up, and, you know, it sends a sensation throughout, you know. So, <laughs> of course, you know, one, one thing led to another, and, you know, so we ended up in a hotel. I'll never forget, went up in a hotel on Wilmington Street. And, uh, she had, you know, she had gone to take a shower, and I was just sitting on the bed, you know, anticipation. And I heard this voice say, enough is enough. Hmm. So, of course, I hadn't smoked nothing yet. I hadn't drank nothing yet. So I'm looking around the room like, who said that? Like, literally, like the way I'm talking right now, the voice said, enough is enough. Wow. So I was like, oh, man, I'm tripping, man. Let me just smoke me something. So it said it again. It said enough is enough. And I'm going to show you how long this been. She had a pager. Somebody was just blowing her pager up. So she come out the shower, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. I was like, but whoever that is blowing your page up, you can call them and tell them and come and enjoy the room with you. I said, I got to go. And she's like, what's wrong with you? What I do? I was like, you ain't do nothing. I just got to go. So I got on my motorcycle and I was just riding down the riding down the street. And I just started crying, just started crying like a baby. I'm like, man, what am I crying for? I was crying so hard, my, my motorcycle shield got fogged up. I had to let the shield up so I could see. I was like, man, what is wrong with me? And I didn't know what happened that night. Didn't know there was a voice of the Lord just, you know, starting to deal with me in a way that I didn't know he could deal with me. So a little time, a little time passed. I would go to the liquor house. I would, you know, drink a couple of drinks and I'm looking at the drink like, man, this is tastes like water. So I look, I talked to the liquor man, I look at house man, I was like, hey man, what's, what's this water? He's like, no nah, man, that ain't no water. 
Well, give me one straight. You know, I don't, don't put no juice in this. I get to be straight. So he gave it to me straight, and they did absolutely nothing to me. So this happened a couple weekends. I would go hang out and just drink and smoke stuff, and I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't getting high. So I was like, man, something is wrong with me. And little did I know that the Lord was uh, he was taking a taste. He was taking a taste out of my mouth. Wow. <laughs> he took a taste out of my mouth. So. Oh, man, I remember one night my mom, they had a general assembly. I'll never forget it. General assembly. She's like, come go to church with me. Like, man, we got to make some money. He ain't going to no church. <laughs> so she, she asked me again. She's like, come on, you ain't been in a long time. Come on and go to church with me. So I was like, all right, just to appease you and get you off my back. Now, I had probably $15,000, $10,000 for drug stash. I couldn't wait to get to after church. Little did I know. Went to church that night. You know, I was singing and praising going on. And my mom, best friend to this day, probably over 35 years of being my mom's best friend, she's always been a minister. She went up to the front of the church. She stood up. She said, the Lord told me to tell somebody in here that if you don't give your life to him tonight, you're going to die. Mm. And it was, it was like it was like I had something, some kind of force on both sides of me stood me up. And I'm looking around like, how did I stand up? <laughs> I'm like, hold on now. How in the world? Because I don't, I don't feel like I did it in my power. And it just felt like something just lifted me up and stood me up. And next thing I know, I was walking down the house, got to the front of the church and threw my hands up. And I got saved that night, August 9th, 1998. Wow. Yep. And I was, I was, I was lost. I was confused. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, what do I do now? Like, I got drugs to be sold. I owe people drug money. Like, they would always, like, just give me money because my name was good. I owe these people drug money. I didn't distribute it out to guys to, to, to sell. And immediately, immediately, the Lord showed me, like, not even two days after being saved, that he was a real God. He showed me immediately that he was real. And one of the guys that I owed some money to, he called me. You know, he's like, hey, man, what my money? It's like, hey, man, I ain't, I ain't got it. I ain't got it. And I don't even remember what happened to the money. I don't know if I blew it or splurged with it or what. But anyway, I didn't have the money. It wasn't a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, what you mean you ain't got my money? I was like, man, man, I went to church, man. I got saved. I gave my life to the Lord, man. I ain't got it. He said, you got saved. I said, yeah, man, I, I gave my life to the Lord. He said, I tell you what, you better stay on the Lord's side. And it was like it was like a subtle threat. Like if you come back out here in the streets, I'm gonna deal with you. Wow. That showed me that the Lord had had my back. Wow. Had my back. I mean, this guy was big time. He could have hired somebody to do anything to me, yet, but he didn't. He was like, man, you better stay on the Lord's side. And this August the ninth will be 22 years. 22 years I've been on the Lord's side. Wow. Nobody can't tell me God don't talk to sinners and God ain't real because he showed himself mightily in my life. and I didn't even understand what was going on. But I just knew that my life had changed. And I stayed confused for a long time because I'm living with a girl and got a motorcycle that I ride and women be like, 
cushion up on me. I want to ride. And, you know, my mind was saying do it, but my heart was saying do the right thing. It was, it was, it was tough. First, first few months was, was, was hard. And I got in a good church and started teaching me the Bible. And I just, I fell in love with the Lord. I fell in love with him and just had a desire to, to please him, you know? Mm-hmm. What would you say is like the was like the most important um, piece to you being able to kind of like keep your way, keep away from certain things, step away from the lifestyle you were doing? Like, what would you say was most important or like key to help you get out? Was it like a mentor or church family? Like, what kind of helped you to do that? Because I know that's the main thing people kind of worry about. Right. Is, you know, what the mess they're in at the time and how they're going to get out. And that's the reason why they may not decide to choose God at that time. Right. Well, for me, for me, it was it was just prayer. Like, I, I literally became a prayer warrior, like, almost instantly. Mm-hmm. And just I would just spend spend time with the Lord, and you know, and spending that time with Him, things that I used to struggle with was no longer a struggle for me. Things that you know used to tempt me didn't even tempt me anymore. You know, and that's that's what got me through, like just that quality time and prayer, and and then studying the Word of God. And I never forget I used to study and live in our kitchen, and we had this big old mirror right behind the dining room table. Mm-hmm. And I would be studying and I would look in the mirror. And when I looked in the mirror, it just seemed like I was a different person. Mm. I seemed like, it seemed like the room was moving and I just, it just was like God was coming out of the pages, just letting me know that I'm real. I'm here with you. I'm going to help you get through this. Whatever you're going through, I'm going to help you get through it. And then just my zeal and my desire to, to study the word of God and just spend quality time with him. Like, I mean, that was, I remember one time we had a, my kids, my pastor kids, my sister-in-law kids, all of them were going out, you know, going out to hang out. So one of the, one of the, one of the girls was like, you know, she was battling uh, cancer. She's like, what Elder Mike? What Elder Mike? She's like, let's get him to pray for us. So I was in my course, I was in my closet. So when I came downstairs, they was already in a circle. So I stepped in a circle and I grabbed their hands. And as soon as I started praying, these 13-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old kids started busting out, speaking in tongues. Wow. And, I, and I'm, I'm blown away. I'm like, what in the world? I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And it was like, it was like the power of God had just followed me out of the closet into this circle with these kids, not knowing that, man, they really needed the, the Lord's protection. Like, not just that night, but for their life. And I don't know, it just seemed like God has given me the gift to, to pray for people and they just get baptized, speaking in tongues. And man, I remember praying for people going down the highway and they just bust out praying in the spirit. I'm like, wow. You know, the Lord was showing me that that's one of the apostolic gifts that, that he gave me. You know, praying for people and um, they receive they received the Holy Spirit with a gift of tongues. So, yeah, he just started doing some some great things in my life on the side, on the side converted. So, yeah, I would say that was the main thing that kind of got me through. Like, even when my girlfriend at the time, you know, I ended up marrying her. 
she would like, you know, have moments in her flesh where she was like, you know, wanting to hook up. I was like, nah, I'm not that person no more. I'm not that person no more. And I know it wasn't that because I was spending quality time with him because what you hang around is what you become. Mm. And by me spending so much time with God, I was really becoming Christ-like. So that's, that's what got me through, just spending that quality time with him. And I don't know, I ain't gonna say I was invincible, but things that used to bother me it wasn't even it wasn't even hard for me to resist it at all and did you notice this like immediately or was it a gradual thing it was gradual it was gradual and um but i i mean i don't even know like i prayed so much oh my god i felt like if i didn't spend a, at least an hour in prayer i didn't even do i just, i was just wasting time oh wow but then, of, course, of course as i matured in god he, he began to teach me it's not it's not the amount of time it's the quality of the time yeah and i used to, people used to say oh man i gotta get in my closet and pray i was like no it's not the position it's the condition yes you know you don't have to be in a, in a position of kneeling or, or laying prostrate or being in the closet it's the condition of your heart mm. yeah <laughs> I'm just, I just got a speechless. Like you, you, you are the host. You're supposed to be firing questions. At me. <sighs> I'm trying. I just, you know, I gotta sit in it. I gotta sit in it for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah. Once um. Once you kind of figured out, I'm curious. Like what? I know you spent a lot of time praying. But, like, what would you say was, like, the first thing you kind of naturally um, was inclined to read about when, you know, when you first started, like, spending time with God and reading the Bible and getting to know it? Because I know a lot of people ask, like, okay, I'm saved, but now what do I read about? I barely even understand the Bible itself. Like, what did you kind of, what would you tell people who are in that position? Well, what, what kind of got me got me through was just the scriptures on how much he loved us. You know, for God so loved the world that he, that he gave his only begotten son. Like, scriptures on him telling us that he loved us. I mean, because most of us had broken homes, either had one parent or if we had both parents, it still was, you know, a lot of arguing going on. And so just, you know, a young kid growing up with not much support and no father in my life, I needed I needed to know that, you know, he loved me, you know, and just reading scriptures on his love for, for me is what got me through. Mm-hmm. That's it's, it's amazing that, that when, you, when you know that somebody loves you, man, it's, it's, it's priceless. It's priceless. Like, like I, I was one of the best football players in the state of North Carolina from uh, 80, probably 84 to 87. But I had no no family support. Like mm. no, nobody from my family came to support me, and it it, it hurt. It hurt to look in the stands and see my teammates, family out there cheering for them. And but um, not having that support kind of was like real hurtful for me. And I couldn't understand. Like I'm, I'm trying to do good. And I'm not. I'm not out in the streets. You know, I'm going to school, and I got colleges, and big time colleges looking at me, and mm-hmm. like I look in the stands, and I have absolutely no one like to. That was supportive. Like my mom never came to. I played football and basketball. She never came to either one of my games, and 
and um, it was hurtful. It was real hurtful not to have that support. And so just knowing that God loved me and he supported me was was what got me through those tough, tough times. I see. So kind of like wherever you, wherever you're lacking in your life, you just kind of went to where God was abundant in that area. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Did you get involved in church right away after you got saved? Like, did you join any ministries or start serving anywhere? It took it took a while for me to, to, to feel comfortable enough because I've always been a real shy person. So it took a long time for me to, I would say six months in, I was, you know, starting to get more active. And I started out as, as a deacon and my pastor saw enough in me to, you know, to, to call me to the office of a deacon. And one year, one year after being saved, I, I did my initial sermon. From 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 selling drugs to a year later, I'm I'm telling somebody about the gospel. Oh wow! <laughs> I will never forget. I will never forget, Christian. My first title I ever ministered was "Is Your Light Shining." Mm. Is your light shining? Came out of John the first chapter. I never forget it. Oh man, is your light shining? And ever since then, I wanted to make sure that my light was shining. Wow. So yeah, I started out as a deacon, and like by my prayer life and my study life being as strong as it was, it wasn't long. My parents were like, no, no, I never forget. It was a, I was a prophetess from um, from Greensboro, came to my church. It was a women's conference, and all the men were just you know being security supporting. <laughs> and I was standing in the back of the church, and she she pointed to me. She said, "That brother back there with the white suit on." She said, "The Lord told me to tell you, you more than a deacon." Mm. Yeah, you are you a preaching deacon. I was like, oh wow. <laughs> so I was just, I was blown away. First of all, I wasn't no man supposed to even be there. So for the Lord to call me out like that was like, wow. So but she she was right. She was dead on it, man. She she was dead on it. Like, so. And it's not something that I went after. I just I just trusted God that he would he would bring the past in his time and like a lot of people they hear this I'm a minister I'm, I'm something and they try to make it happen no you can't make it happen you just gotta let God do it in, in his time yeah that's that's the truth that yes. is the truth. um I wanna this might be like maybe a little off topic but uh-huh. I want you to just take an or like share how important it is to be relevant and real you know like to acknowledge you're still a human being but also kind of balance the faith in your life and God being in control of your life what I'm well I guess what I mean is sometimes when people hear oh you're a pastor or you're this they immediately try to censor themselves and kind of shut up themselves. But I've noticed with you, not it that doesn't happen often. It's because you're just such a genuine person. I was wondering if you could just kind of speak to that. Right, absolutely. I, I feel like my my streets coming from the streets background has always kept me kept me even keel, so to speak. Like knowing what what a real struggle is 
seeing seeing mothers on Christmas Eve sell their kids toys for to get high. Mm. Just some of the things that I've seen from from real life situations and just being in the in the in the thick of the drug drug world kind of just like it kept me in a place where I said I would never be a judgmental person or just you know not thinking I'm better than anybody because there's a lot of there's a lot of people that I grew up in the world with that you know, as God started elevating them and raising them up raising them up they kind of mean they kind of had this aura about them like um I've arrived like. I'm above sin, and I, you know, like I'm holier than thou, and that was never me. God never intended for me to have that kind of character as a believer, and that's just how I how I interact with people. I I let them know, like like we just buried a um, member a couple of weeks ago. He was straight from the streets, streets of New York, Brooklyn, Bronx, so he was hardcore. But they would they would invite me to cookouts, and I would go. You know, I go in there, they smoking their blunts, and I couldn't. But when I wasn't safe, I couldn't stand the smell of a blunt. So the fact that I would go to these cookouts and just show love, I would show love to these brothers, and kind of let them know that, man, this is a pretty cool pastor. <laughs> he, don't, he don't make me feel less than a person. Like, I don't feel, like, condemned by him. And just, to me, that's that's the kind of people that God, God can use. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the scriptures, he said, I didn't come for those that was well. I came for those that was sick. And that's one thing about being in the church. We always minister to people that's well, for the most part. But the heart was out in the world where the people are sick at. So I just always had a compassion for people that, you know, other people look down on. And, you know, I've I've had a situation where I was, you know, I was my armor bearer to my pastor. And uh, another pastor came up from, you know, came up to visit him. And I was sitting in the office, and, and the pastor was telling my pastor, "Hey, doc, watch out for this girl right here. You know, you know, watch out for her, boy. You know, she this and she that." And I kind of looked at both of them, like, "You guys are pastors. Like, y'all should be covering her weakness. You shouldn't be exposing it." Hmm. And God was showing me like what to do and what not to do. Like, just because somebody is struggling, that that doesn't mean God is not with them. That doesn't mean they're not going to turn out to be something great. So that kind of like showed me the kind of people that I want to be associated with, the kind of people I want to be drawn to, those that have struggles every day. So I think that's 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 my calling, you know, to be a to be a down earth pastor that lets people know that hey, like I told the brothers, like God is not concerned about your habits, but he's concerned about your heart. But so many church people make people feel like, oh, because I got a habit, you know, um I'm untouchable. You can't you can't associate with me. You can't deal with me. Yeah. Well, if you're only dealing with people that's well, what about the people that's sick? Exactly. And I think it makes it want it makes those people want to like hide their weaknesses even more or even worse, just not even want to deal with church at all. Right. Absolutely. I've seen that a lot. I've seen that a lot. And by me, like my last church, I was I was assistant to the pastor. And so I was over a lot of ministries. And there was this one couple that, you know, they were kind of up under me. And, you know, I was kind of, you know, showing the ropes as far as ministry. But they had this spirit about them where they were, they had a self-righteous spirit about them. And I would go to them and I was like, you know, God is not pleased with that kind of spirit when you're dealing with his people. So time had passed and a real trial had hit their house. The husband had stepped out and, you know, they thought they married was untouchable. Mm. Like they got, 
they they married Jesus married them himself. <laughs> so when when they, when a real trial came to their house, and you know the husband had you know had stepped out a little bit, guess who the first person they came to? Mm. Came to me. I didn't kill him, but I just I just used it as a teaching tool. It's like you can't be judgmental. You can't think you above temptation because you're a strong believer. Like that's not how people grow. Sometimes people grow by seeing your weakness or seeing your struggle or at least hearing about it. Absolutely. So that's been one of the things that's, that's, that's you know, kind of kept me even killed to, to not, you know, and I remember you know, I, I felt many times since I've been on the lower side and I would just like beat myself up. Yes. And yes, the Lord yes. was like, I love that to teach you. Like until you need mercy for yourself, you will never appreciate it. So I had to I had to realize that I needed I need God's mercy every day. You know, that's why he said we wake up with new mercy. Every morning. Every morning we wake up with new mercy because we need it every day. <laughs> yes. We need it every day. So that's that's kind of been my thing as as a pastor to just you know be down to earth and let people know that hey you gonna mess up it's gonna fall but you know get back up. So, yeah. I hope I answered the question. <laughs> no, that was perfect, and that and that truly does kind of permeate and speak through every message that you deliver, but more importantly. It just kind of speaks through who you are, like your actions. And I don't think by any means it was a mistake that, you know, your ministry is called Greater Love Worship Center because you really do operate from a place of love. Every Everything you do, I, <laughs> I'd be able to say, yeah, because he's thinking about loving these people first. Amen. Amen. And it truly does make a difference. Um, and, you know, Amen. I'm biased. <laughs> but I'm also <laughs> someone that can say, you know, pastor taught me, God, just almost everything about, you know, my walk with God. And even now where I do need to, you know, stay up under the word that you that you share um, because it's so relevant and like that's the area I know I need to work on is loving other people all people <laughs> I think the key word there is all like I have my select few that I'm like oh yeah I'm gonna be nice to you and then I have my other people where I'm like okay we'll just say hi and bye you know so just getting a full picture a God intended picture on how we're supposed to love like you have been that example and the epitome of that for me. And so I'm glad that you mentioned earlier that focus on God's love. Amen. I think that's the key and learn as much about it as you can. And I'll speak for me. I had a, I had a wrong picture of it and it was affecting my decisions and therefore how I treated people. Amen. So learning. Yeah, I tell you, I, I commend you for, for confession. Yeah, no problem. That's what we do. <laughs> That's what we do on the ship. Teachable moments. I remember being down on the member house and we go off in the back room and we just powwow. We just powwow. And, and that's what God told me that I would be. I would, you know, be a 
impart you know impart wisdom into his and people's lives and like he's shown me so many great things that he's going to do in your life and i just got to hold on to it to the right time to tell you some of it just <laughs> just don't like everything that you're going through and you're going through was necessary every trial every up every down everything that you're going through even when sometimes it seems like god is picking on you but the only thing he's doing is teaching you how to be relatable to people and that's why I had so many trials and so many errors because God was teaching me how to, to be relatable to people and just, you know, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. So that's what he's allowing for you to, because everything that you're going through, I guarantee you, you're going to help somebody that's coming behind you in that area. Yeah. And you're going to have such a level of compassion for, for souls because guess what? You witnessed it, you've been through it, and God brought you out of it. Yes. So I just, I'm just honored to, to be a part of your life and to be a part of, you know, what God is doing in your life. And just stay the course and keep allowing God to use you. And I'm just excited. I'm so excited for what he's, what he's doing and what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Pastor. Um, is there any other thing like shout outs, last words, um, you know, takeaways, anything you want to leave with us? I want to share this this real brief testimony for somebody that may hear this that's, that feel like God has, has picked on them or he's done something to them that they may not understand. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I felt like I was the epitome of, of Christians. Like I was faithful. My pastor could always count on me. I was always accountable. And um, I was over intercessory prayer. And uh, remember one Tuesday night, you know, I was just praying. Like I, our prayer was for an hour. And most of the time, I would pray for the whole hour. So this particular night, you know, I was praying for, you know, what I normally pray for. And um, I found out after the fact that I prayed for my son. That particular night, that Tuesday night, of course, my son had moved back to his mom. I raised him from three months until he was 16. And he just was ready to go and, you know, try it out with his mom. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he moved back to Raleigh. I was standing in Willow Springs. And um, like two weeks after being with his mom, he got shot. He got shot four times. And uh, when I got the call, it was that Tuesday night. Mm. And I'm just thinking, oh, man, somebody shot my son in the leg. So I get to the hospital, and they let me in the emergency room, and it, it looked like a war zone. Mm. It really looked like a war zone. It was blood everywhere, and they had just got to, you know, kind of, you know, patching them up and just kind of had them stable. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget, he had a bullet wound in his throat for some reason they didn't patch it up. So every time he breathed, like blood would, would come out of would come out of his, his throat. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there looking at this kid that I raised ever since he was like three months old. And now I'm like, what did I do wrong? Like, mm-hmm. why, why is my son laid up here, shot all to pieces? And uh, that let me know that God was with me. And I've seen people get shot one time and die from it, but the fact that he got shot four times and he's still still living. That, that God just showed me that no matter how bad it looks, you're still covered, and he's still covered by the blood. Amen. So, if you're out there and you, you have something similar to happen and tragic, and I know you share some tragic things that, that, that you you've had to witness, and all it does is it teaches us that you know God is in control and He don't make mistakes, and He's going to get the glory out of it. You may not see the glory now. Mm-hmm. But eventually, he's going to reveal his glory in that in that area. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Thank and it was you. one of the toughest times that I ever had to endure as a as a believer. But yeah, just shout out to to I've all oh man, I've listened to um Michaela's testimony, I listened to uh Elder Tawan, Elder Field, uh I listened to I think Kiwan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've listened, I've been tuning in to and I was like, Wow, what powerful testimonies out there, man. And just just shout out to them. Everybody that's already <laughs> been on the on the cast prior to me. Shout out to them. I'm so yeah. proud of them. Great job. It's an awesome job. So proud to, to be able to, to witness that. Yes, they're they're so amazing. I know this one is just going to be added on to the list of the greats. <laughs> amen, amen. I'm just honored. Yeah, I was like, I was riding down the road and Lord was like, it's time to go on the podcast. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, me? But I mean, oh, Phil got it. Tawana got it. Uh-uh. Uh, you know, Michaela got it. They got it. So I'm like, <laughs> no. no. You need to share your testimony because I'm sure he's raising up some people that have sold drugs and that's been out in the streets and they need to hear this, that, you know, God can raise you up no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done. Yes. You know, he still can use you for his glory. I'm a, I'm a living witness. Yes. And the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Yes, I received that. Hallelujah. So, so I'm just excited. I'm excited. But I, I still remember that service where we was tearing with you. We was trying to get you to receive the Holy Ghost. And you was just going in. Boy, you wanted it so bad. I was like, oh, man, I want it for you. And the Lord told me, the Lord told me to tell her that she got it. But it just ain't manifested yet. Oh, man. That was that was one of the most powerful stories I, I ever been a part of. To see you want God that, that bad was was so refreshing to me, so refreshing. Well, I just thank you for working with me for as long as you have, your patience, <laughs> your availability, you know, I feel like, and I'm sure many other people feel like they can come to you with whatever um, and truly get what they need. Um, and so I know, <laughs> I know like you you put in you put, you just put in a lot of work on my behalf so I'm so grateful for that I really am me and amen. my family <laughs> amen it's been an honor it's been an honor to, to do what God called me to do for for his chosen ones you do know you're chosen right yes yes Absolutely. I believe it. Yes. I believe it. Well, thank you so much. And I know you got tons of stories. So if you ever want to share another one, you know, we could do this again. It would be great. <laughs> but, Absolutely. I most certainly will. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, I'm so appreciative, grateful for you and um, just being able to document this this story um and be able to share it and keep it forever to share it multiple 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 times um, amen so thank you so much for being You're on the welcome. show and 
for everything else. Of course, of course. All right. Now, I want to hear you say so. Season two is all about your testimonies. Do you or someone you know have a powerful testimony? If so, I would love for you to connect with me. And I'd love for to get you on the show. And let's share the goodness of God together. Send me a message on Facebook or Instagram saying that you're interested in sharing your testimony. We'll get together and record and you can be on the next episode of the show. I'm so excited, y'all. And I can't wait to see how powerful this can be. That's a wrap for today's episode of Chris and Christ. Thanks so much for tuning in and I can't wait to hear from you again. Let's keep in touch. Follow me on all social media platforms at Chris and Christ. Until next time, remember, you overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the power of your testimony. Be blessed. Thank you.